God loves us. Doesn't he? He just absolutely loves us. I had a friend in Alice Springs and he said to me a little while ago, he said, do you know what, Isaac? And I said, what is it, Christian? And he said, God is love. And I said, I know, Christian. And he said, no, 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 you don't get it. He said, love, that's God. Love made what love loves. And he said, that's us. And I said, you're right. Every single one of you was crafted by love itself. And he crafted something that he loves. You are his masterpiece. The Bible says that we were all chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. In other words, God chose us in his redemptive plan before he even created the world. I know it's a bit of a trip out, but he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we would inherit this connection with our heavenly father. You know, it says in the Bible that his thoughts towards us are like the sand on the seashores. He thinks about us all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. He loves us. It's not what my message is about. It's just that I was thinking this morning, you know what? A lot of what I'm going to talk about this morning hinges on the importance of us knowing the love of God for us. For those of you that know me, I've made no secret of my passion for Jesus and my passion to live for Jesus and to live sold out for Jesus. Anyone who knows me, my wife included, that's the way I live life and that's what I enjoy. The last 12 months, Ness and I have been living in Brisbane and for the last six months, we've been going to Bible college and mixing with students that are absolutely sold out for Jesus and want to see Jesus move in their life. Christianity is radical. It's a radical thing. It's not something where you sort of come in and, you know, we're a group of nice people that kind of meet together once or twice a week and you know, encourage each other to be really good citizens. Oh no, that's not Christianity. I wrote this down last night. To profess Christianity is to say that you believe in a supernatural unseen world. To believe that a man named Jesus who walked the face of the earth 2,000 years ago was both the Son of God and God. That he held within him the power of the Godhead in an earthly body. That he walked on water, he healed the sick and he raised the dead that he lived a life so countercultural and so misunderstood that he was murdered for his lifestyle and message. Three days later, he victoriously raised from the dead. He declared that if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. Not only that, but I also promise you my Holy Spirit that will fill you with love and power and you will walk the way I walk and live the way I live. You guys are crazy. You believe this? An unseen world? Some guy comes to earth called Jesus. He walks around walking on water. You believe this? What? So do I. You can't sit, de- sit down in your seats and think, you know, oh, I'm just a Christian. I'm just sort of a good person. I believe in Christianity. Your faith is illegal in over 50 countries around the world. 11 brothers and sisters that believe your same faith die every hour. For believing the message you believe. You are radical. You are fearless for believing this gospel. Man, <clears throat> it's a very, very, very costly message. Costly, costly, costly. Costs people their lives over and over and over again. This is not a cheap message that we share. This is not a cheap gospel we believe in. Man, it's heavy duty. 
and I desire to give my life to share the message with people. I didn't come here with some message that was well prepared, some three-point sermon, but I've come to stir you to the bone for releasing this message with everybody that you know. Jesus leaves earth and he gives us his Holy Spirit and his commandment is go. And it actually says in, I think it might, just off the top of my head, I think it's uh, Mark 15, 16. It says, go everywhere and tell everyone the good news about Jesus. Everywhere to everyone and tell people about Jesus. It says in 1 John 4, 17, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we are not afraid on the day of judgment, but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We are called to live like Jesus here in this world. We're called to walk in the light as he is in the light and demonstrate Jesus to everybody that we are. Bible says we should clothe ourselves in love itself. We should clothe ourselves in Christ and people that see us see Jesus says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with my Father. You know, I've lived a life and I've desired more of Jesus and I've desired to live like Jesus and I encounter situations every day where I don't walk out what I expect Jesus to walk out. It's like I stand and I can see scenarios play out in front of me and I look and think, Man, if Jesus was here, he would deal differently with this situation. But there's just something there in between me and being Jesus. And for years and years and years, I've, I've, I guess I've confronted this thing. And in the last six months, meeting with radical Christians, meeting with people that are so sold out, they do ridiculous things for Christ and see huge numbers of fruits come into the kingdom of God. I look up to them and I envy them in a very godly way, and I envy their lifestyle. But after watching their life and watching my life and looking at the life of Christ in the Word of God, I think I've, I guess I've identified key elements that create that chasm between me and the life of Christ. So in every situation, let's say, for instance, I see um, an older lady, you know, she's got some pain in her body and my heart actually goes out to her. Like I see her, I don't know her from a bar of soap, okay, and I see her in the street and my initial desire is, man, I just want to go and I want to encourage her. She looks down and out, she looks like she's in pain and I want to encourage her. And then this unseen wall separates me and my ability to go and do that. And there's several things that make up that wall. I remember sitting in prayer about I know, six months ago, and just praying the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't even identify what the wall is, but there's something in between me and the life that you lived, and I want to know what it is so that I can bust through it. And it was like, I had my eyes closed, and it was like I was watching a scenario, exactly the same sort of scenario, play out in front of me. And I was watching Jesus move out, and he knelt down before this lady and began to pray, and she received healing, and he poured out love into her life, And she was so touched by God, she came to know him. And I was standing back here going, but why don't I just do that? And it was like I could see the shimmering wall. It was totally transparent. I could see right through it, but it was in between me and this. And God said to me, fear separates you and the life that I live. It's fear that separates you and the life that I live. And it was as though he sort of said, and fear is made of nothing. 
fear has no substance. It's not made of anything, and it shouldn't stop you from doing it. Really, me stepping from there to there is one step of faith. Oh, God, I've got to believe the Word of God. You know, oh, Jesus, I've got to believe what you say, and I've just got to do it. And at that point, that's the point in which you walk into the promised land. That's the point in which you go from, I'm completely living and I have everything intact here and I'm just about to do the craziest thing in the world and believe this faith message about Jesus and do it. And then I'm sort of in the moment. I reckon you've got about three seconds in your mind to say, yes, I'm going to do what Jesus did. If you pass that point in time, you're just going to walk away because it's all too awkward, you know. But you need in that first three seconds to go, I'm a Christian and I believe the Word of God, therefore I am. And you'll begin to see God do things. Probably, Vanessa and I went to a conference last year called the Normal Christian Life Conference. Has anyone heard of that? Hey, a few people. Normal Christian Life Conference is about, basically the whole conference is a stir to go and to share the love of Jesus with, with people in the streets. It's basically about just go and share the love of God. And you begin to touch people and do things. And I remember leading up to it, one of the uh, pastors that was sort of involved in it, he said, hey, you know, Isaac, are you able to lead one of the street groups that goes out on the streets and just prays for people and shares with them? And I thought, yeah, I will do it. But man, what a big step. Like that means I'm literally going to have to constantly walk through over and over again this wall of fear. So anyway, I was sitting down in the prayer room leading up to it, sort of that morning. I knew that day was the day that we're going to go out and do things. And so I was sitting down in prayer, and, and I said to, said to God, Oh, God, like, I'm really nervous. I know you're with me. And it was like he stilled the atmosphere in the prayer room. And he said to me, I commissioned the disciples. They sat around Jesus in the morning. You know, when he went, they sent them out two by two. And he said, Look, I'm going to send you out two by two, and I'm going to fill you with my power. He said, You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Anything you ask for in my name, I'll do for you. And it was like I was in that same space. Like I was sitting down and Jesus going, I am asking you to go. I'm filling you with my power. And when you step out, I will intercede for you as you're doing it. And I was like, I've got the commission. Like, I've heard it from you and I will go. So that day, I gathered around some people that were with me. Actually, there's there only two or three of us. Elijah was with us that day as well, little, my little boy, Elijah, who's six. I said, let's do this, man. Come on, I'm trying to chuck it into the next generation. This is a natural thing. Let's just go do it. <laughs> it's very hard for your dad, but we're going to just do it. So anyway, that day, I gathered the group together, and we hopped in my car, and I said, look, why don't we just pray? And I said, why don't we just ask God? Lord, take us to the place where death casts its shadow, is what I said. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, well, I said, if you think about it, that's what Jesus did when he started his ministries. He went to Galilee, the place that death casts its shadow. Because I said, our light's going to shine brighter there than anywhere else. So they're like, okay, let's pray it. Yes, yes. So anyway, we got together and we prayed. I said, Lord, lead us to the place where death casts its shadow. And I'll start, I'm starting to listen more to the Holy Spirit. So we're driving out in the car, and I feel like the Holy Spirit's like, turn, turn right, and then turn left, and down this road. And I'm like, okay, down this road. You know, I see this lady. She's like, got crutches and, and stuff. And I'm like, bingo! We can pray for that lady. Jesus is going to heal her straight away. And uh, anyway, so we hop out. 
and we're following this. It's a bit awkward because there's like a group of us, right? <laughs> and this lady's kind of like, you know, she, she, she can't go fast and she's trying to get away. And, and I'm like, oh, this is getting awkward. It had passed the three second stage. We were way into like 30 seconds and, and we're still following her. And then anyway, she turns into this. It looked like it might have been like a refuge housing for like 40 or 50 people. So we, we turn around the corner and there's like all these open doors and all of these people sitting out the front of their places. And I'm like, oh, this is much more than I bargained for. Like I was expecting we have like one case. Anyway, the phenomenal thing, and this is the first time this has happened in my life, but my heart was hungry for God, is that the, the gateway there, she walked through and we, there was a group of us and I stepped through the gateway and I was thinking, no, I believe this. Jesus commissioned me and therefore I'm going. And I stepped through the gateway and the most, it was like the Holy Spirit went on high beam, like literally a foot around me. I felt the presence of God. And I was like, I've never felt this before. And I walked straight up to the lady in a boldness I'd never felt before. And I said to the lady, Jesus wants to heal you. I said, you're in pain. And she goes, yeah, you know, like I'm in pain. I didn't even know what it was. I could just see her knee was busted. So I said, I'd love to pray for you. And she goes, yeah, sure. And I knelt down and as I went and knelt down, I reached out to her knee, I felt electricity pump through my body and into hers. She literally dropped the crutches on the ground and started moving around on the ground like this. And I was like, what's happened? And she goes, I've been in pain for like six years. I have a degenerative condition. She said, this doesn't get better. But she said, everything feels right. And I was like, you just got healed by Jesus. And then she said, man, I've got other people here. And she took me to a guy who had full body arthritis and I, I went to reach out to him, and he went, oh, and he said, my whole body's hot. And, I, and the lady, one of the girls that was with me was leaning up against the, the door, and she said, I've never felt the presence of God like this. And the guy said, people have prayed for me before, but he said, never have I felt this before. And I realized that I was stepping into a realm that I'd never tasted before because something had shifted in me. And I went, Either this is real or it's not. And I believe it wholeheartedly. And because I did, I encountered the very power of God. The very power of God. And now no one's persuading me. I'm not at the mercy of someone with an argument. I have an experience that's completely real. And I've seen people totally healed by the power of God. So I'm sort of walking around a little bit more, you know. Having said that, though, I still come up into situations every single time there's a wall and there's a barrier in between me and doing that. And I really believe that it's us letting go and letting God, because Jesus only lives when we die. If I'm holding on to all of my insecurities and what's, what, what's not going to happen and what are people going to think and all of these things, I'm living the entire time. The only time I die is when I'm like, well, pff, I have to believe it. I'm just going to do it man. And when I step in and I do it, man, is when stuff begins to happen. Let's identify a few other things. Fear. Fear is not a good one. Let's have a look at that one first. In 1 John 4.18, it says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. It says, Perfect love casts out all fear. There's a whole lot of fears in there, but casts out all fear. This punishment he's talking about is punishment. They had the Levitical law and they had Deuteronomy, the blessings and the cursings. 
And it's talking about the fact that I'm not sure if I'm right with God. You know, I have a fear. I don't know whether he's going to punish me or whether what he's going to do is good. So you approach situations with a particular type of fear. And you're like, I'm fearing that God's not even with me because the lifestyle I've lived isn't even really what I think Jesus should be living. And therefore, I don't believe he's with me. And therefore, you don't even step out. Like the fear of, of not even being sure where you're at with God is the first fear. Okay, you're like, well, I'm, not, I'm, in, I'm in condemnation. There's things that I've done that I shouldn't have done. And therefore, I'm not. Perfect love casts out all fear. The Father sends forth perfect love. Don't you know that it was when you were in sin that he died for you? Your worst, worst, worst point was when he gave of his all to purchase you with his son. You imagine, my son's six years old. He's at the age of innocence. He's clean and he's innocent, little boy. What if I was to take of my son in exchange for some creep that's in prison, in an exchange for them? Jesus took us at our worst and gave of his absolute most precious son at that point in time. How could we question his love for us? You might be mucking around and doing some things you shouldn't be doing and need you know, repentance for those things. Jesus has already paid the ultimate price to demonstrate his love for you way before you ever felt that. He's already demonstrated the most. So you can't sit before God and go, do you really love me? He goes, you can't ask that. Because I gave you the most, most, most that I could ever give to prove my love for you. And it was my son, Jesus. So we can't question his love anymore, can we? When there's situations there and we're like, well, I don't know if God's for you again. Of course he's for you. He already gave you his son, and he absolutely loves you. Therefore, we can step in much more confidence in stepping into what Christ has offered for us because we walk in that. Thank you, Jesus. In Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 7, it says, All praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ even before he made the world. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose us to be holy. I chose, it's not from your own works. The only way you get to that place is because Jesus shed his precious blood. So don't think, man, there's things I needed to have done. (laughs) There's nothing you can actually do to earn that. His precious blood. And it was because God said, I love you so much. I want to choose you to be holy and without fault in my eyes and I'm going to wash you with the blood of Jesus. He chose that. It wasn't to do with your striving and working towards perfection. He loves you and chose you for that. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. This is what he wanted to do for us. The first fear is that we're not sure where we're at with God. It brings condemnation. We're not sure whether God's going to come through with the goods when we pray for someone or when we share. Are we going to have the right words? You know. So the first thing we need to be convinced of is the fact that he chose you. You didn't choose him. Not only that, but he chose you before the foundation of the world in Christ to be holy and without fault. He chose you to adopt you into his family as his very own children, as his precious possession. 
We are His kids. I was thinking the other day, I was watching my kids in the kitchen. We got like a little breakfast bar and some stools there. And, and they come in and Elijah's like, Dad, I want a Milo. And I was like, why do you talk like that? No. <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, no worries. So anyway, I'm mixing it up for him. And then Gracie sits next to him, my, my daughter who's four. She goes, Dad, I want a Milo. Anyway, as I'm pouring it out, you know what kids are like? They're like watching the levels, you know? And they're like, he's got more. Anyway, and, and then anyway, they take off. Well, Elijah goes to the fridge and starts looking around for food, you know, because we never feed our kids, so they have to fend for themselves. And uh, he was looking around in there, and I'm like, look at these kids, you know? And I was thinking, this is not the way I approach my heavenly father. Like, I always knock on the door before I even go into my father's house. Like, my son goes like this, boom, drops his bag from school to the fridge, you know, gets in there and does all these things. He goes, he, I'm his father. You know, and he's my boy. I'm his daddy, you know. And I was thinking, this is not how my relationship with the father is. Like, this is literally how I come to the father. I'm like, okay, I'm allowed to be here because it says in the word of God that I can come boldly into his throne room of grace. Therefore, you know, and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, you know. And then I enter in and then... Like, God's got this banquet table sort of set up for me, you know, that all this food and everything that I've ever needed is right there. But I've got this snatch and grab sort of thing. Like, I'm like, it's the word, the word, the word. Grab a chicken leg. The word, the word, the word. Out. The door gets slammed. And I'm like, I'm way hungrier than just a chicken leg. Like, I'm heaps hungrier than that, you know. And I'm like, oh, this is annoying because I haven't entered into sonship. Sonship is exactly this. Hang on, I'm a son. Father's house is my house. Hey, Dad, I love you so much. Thanks for loving me so much. You know, and come to the table, and I actually sit down and just start to eat things. God brings out more things, and I'm like, man, I'm full. Like, I've sat in God's presence, and I'm totally full. Thank you, Dad. Like, I love you so much. You know, that sonship. Where have I been? You know, I've been living in something that wasn't what he provided. And he's like, I gave of my son so that you could come and you don't need to measure out the milos like it's going to be the same it says in the word of god that he's no respecter of persons you know in other words if he gives something to one of his kids guess what you're surely in line for it as well it's not like it's like oh well he gives so and so everything they always get a full cup of milo and i get the scraps out of the bottom of the tin it's never that because he's no respecter of persons so our approach to God needs to be fearless in the sense that he's like, come boldly into my throne room of grace and you just go, I belong here. Because he paid the price. He looks at me and goes, hey, Isaac, you're my son and I love you. My thoughts towards you like the sand on the seashores. I think about you all the time. You are the apple of my eye. You are the thing I love. I love made what love loves. And it's you. And I'm like, man, you love me so much. This is so good. So I live When you live in that space, man, it changes everything. Because I tell you what, the second fear is the fear of rejection and fear of losing face and fear of losing your reputation. That's the second fear. So I'm like thinking to myself when I'm going to approach somebody, man, what if somebody walks past that I know and I'm in this position? Lord, I just... Oh, man, this is bad. How am I going to explain it? Oh, they're swatting flies and they... It's going to be really difficult. 
And so, so it's about moving into the space where I'm so filled with acceptance and love for my father. So if this person here, I'm probably, go away, you creep, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, whoa, I'm not feeling rejection because I'm like, how could I be rejected by anybody? God loves me. He's my dad and I'm totally accepted by him. I don't care what any of you think about me anymore because he totally loves me and he'll love me for eternity. When all this is over, when the earth is all crumbled and gone, he's, I'm still going to be in his arms and he's still going to love me. I don't really care what else is going on here. You know, so if they're rejected, there's many times in Brisbane that I was rejected. One guy tried to punch me in the head, another one threw a full can of soft drink at me because I shared Jesus. Hey, persecution, hey, persecution, well, yeah, it was full, thank you. You know, I opened it and it's... I'm accepted by God, so it doesn't even matter anymore. So you move into the same space. Reputation is one of the big ones. For lots of people, they hold two reputations. A worldly reputation that hides Jesus and a Christian reputation with their friends that is a bit like Jesus. And they keep the worldly reputation because, man, if things go bad, I can hide in the shell like a turtle and be like, I'm going to stick myself inside this reputation. Ain't nobody going to know I'm a Christian because this is not a good situation for me to be one right now. He hates Christians. You know, this guy here is whatever's going on. So you hide yourself. I tell you what, there's a great deal of power when you burn one of those reputations. If you have no other reputation but Christ and you are clothed in love, you haven't got a choice anymore. If I wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a Christian and Jesus loves me everywhere, I haven't got a choice anymore. Everybody that looks at me is going to be like, all right, oh, you know, which is sometimes the reaction of people to Christians. But the truth is that that I can't hold on to the reputation. And for most of us, that reputation is the last egg that we put into the Jesus basket. Like we're like, man, we'll put most of our eggs into the Jesus basket. But that reputation is like my safety net for the world. Because if I expose myself, not literally, (laughs) because if I expose myself at work to be a Christian, my boss is going to be on my case. They're going to tease me the entire time I'm there. My friends are going to leave me. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. My friends, if you believe in this message, you're radical and you're fearless and a little bit crazy. So you're going to have to clothe yourself with Jesus in every situation. Your workmates come with a need and you say, hey man, I'd love to pray for that because I believe Jesus moves in situations and I believe he loves you. They might be like, what is wrong with you? Or they might be like, Mate, that'd be awesome. Boom. They actually come to know Jesus. Ness and I, I'll throw a few testimonies in here. Ness and I, on the way back from one of, our, one of the sort of church campy things, um, we're heading through Maccas with the kids. And anyway, I sat in there and, and I, as soon as I sat down and saw this couple that was sitting together chatting and, and uh, my heart just absolutely ached for them, like deep God aching. Like I was like, man, God is so sad over this couple And I thought, well, either I'm going to sit here or I'm going to believe this and I'm going to step out and I'm going to see what God wants to do. And so I just literally went up, and this is going to sound weird, but I just literally went up to their table and I pulled up a chair and I sat myself down and I said, hey, guys. And they were like, you know, turning and looking at me like, this is not, because it's it's countercultural. Jesus' life was countercultural. Sitting next to people you don't know, pulling up a chair, that's countercultural and a bit weird. But I said to them, hey, I'm a Christian, and I said, my heart is aching for you guys. And I said, I want to tell you 
that God absolutely loves you. And then I felt prompted to say, and he hears every one of your prayers. Anyway, this lady broke down crying instantly. She said, on the way to McDonald's this morning, she said, I said to my husband, we're in the lowest place we've ever been. She said, let's pray together. So they prayed together in the car and said, God, if you're for real, show us, show us. They arrived at McDonald's. Some guy just gets up, plonks his chair down there and goes, hey, I want to tell you guys, God loves you so much. And I was crying myself. I said, God loves you so much because I felt the heart of God for them. And I said, he loves you so much and he's heard every one of your prayers. And they were like, boom, God encounter. So I've got their number and everything to keep up, keep in contact. They live in another part of Brisbane with us. But for them, that was a shifting moment in their life. Why? Because I chose to step through this. I just went with the prompting, you know. I just was like, oh, I feel like I should maybe say something to these guys. And I could have just gone three-second rule. That's going to look ridiculous. I don't even know them. And I'm pulling up a chair. Nobody does that. I'll tell you one that's even worse than that. Another Macca story. Who wants to hear one, huh? Yeah? There's this other guy going to the same college as us, and his name's Mark Pollock. No, James Pollock. James Pollock. And anyway, James Pollock, big, big guy, but super timid and, and super fearful of people. Um, I remember, like, first, second day of college or whatever, he goes, I have to do something, guys, because he said, fear's a real problem in my life. And everyone's sort of standing there looking. He goes, I'm just going to stand here. And he just stood there, like, everyone's just staring at him. And he didn't say a thing. He's just like... You know, and then he sat back down like he was starting to deal with fear. Anyway, two months later, this guy's being totally indoctrinated with the fact that God loves him, and he's totally accepted by God. It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. Guess what? Daddy God loves him, so who cares anyway? So this guy takes it to a whole nother level in McDonald's. Walks through the front door of Macca's. Everybody, can I have your attention, please? He said, I'm a Christian, and he said, I'm greatly loved by God. And he said, I tell you what happens when you're greatly loved by God. He said, all fear leaves you. Because he said, you're accepted by your heavenly father. And you have no need. And he, and he pointed out some guy and he goes, look at you. You're even scared to see me doing this. <laughs> anyway, he said, if anyone's interested in what I'm talking about, he said, I'm going to be out in the car park. Two young guys came out and he said, mate, we want it. And they came to the Lord straight away. Because the message of Jesus is totally real. It's countercultural, and the young people of today, anyone today, if they see something that sort of steps out of the line of norm, and they're like, who does that? You did, that guy just walked into Macca's and addressed the whole McDonald's about the love and everything. And, you know, but they are desperate for it. You know, and so they're like, yeah, we do want that. And they're willing to leave their burgers and everything and go outside and, say, and bow their heads in the car park and just give their hearts to Jesus. Because they're like, whatever that guy's got... He doesn't even walk in fear. Like, we fear everybody, especially young people. Man, if they're wearing the wrong shorts, they won't even go to school. And he's six. <laughs> Silly business. So I just want to touch on uh, Galatians 2.20. It says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I talk about reputation, I put about, talk about putting that last egg in the basket. That is the point of no return. Like if you take your reputation and go, I'm going to put my reputation, all of it's going to be for Jesus. Not part of it, 
my entire reputation is going to be I'm the guy who loves or I'm the girl who loves. I'm the one who prays for people when I see a need. I'm the one who does this. I'm the one who looks like Jesus on earth. That's how people know me. That's my identity. I only have one. I don't have two anymore. You know, I'm going to take the worldly identity of, man, sometimes I'm this guy and sometimes I'm that, you know, whatever. And, and I have all these identities. I have one identity. That's that I'm a Christ follower. That I'm a son of God. That he loves me and I bear his name. That I glow and I shine with the love of Jesus wherever I go. I worked with some people here at the YMCA before we left Darwin. And I've been sharing Jesus with them on the phone, back and forth. They knew I was a Christian here anyway. But I wasn't like this. I wasn't, I, I was always on sort of this side, and every now and again I'd like slip and touch somebody, you know, through the, through the veil. But now I'm starting to, to move, and so I'm sharing. I, I share about things that happen. I said, oh, I prayed with somebody today, and this happened and that happened. And they're like, I can't even believe you do that. Like, you really do it. And I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, oh, well, this is exciting. And they're not even Christian, but they're like, man, this is kind of an exciting thing because I'm revealing what all of their hearts hunger for. All of their hearts are hungering for something that's they're stuck in a mold their whole life and crying out, please let there be more. And then you manifest the more that they've been looking for. And they're like, wow, these stories are touching a part of my heart and I'm interested by them. This is a lifestyle that, that I'm interested in. So they keep ringing back and, and talking about things and talking about Jesus. And they're like, I don't even know why I'm talking so much about Jesus. I just feel like it. Because I don't have two identities anymore. I have one identity. And that identity is that I'm a Christian and I'm sold out for Jesus. You know, when you have an identity like that, it almost forces you to do things. Who's heard of Todd White? Yeah, cool. Anyway, Todd White came to um, the church that we're going to a little while ago and even on being picked up from the airport, remember this guy's reputation is that he shares with everything that moves. That's his actual reputation. He has no other one, just the one. So his reputation forces him into a place almost of being Jesus all the time because there's an expectation that's put on you. I know your reputation. You pray for everything that moves. So this guy gets off at the airport and he's like, boom, straight away. He's looking around and he's like, man, I just want to tell you, God actually loves you. He's got a plan for your life. Can I pray for you? Yeah, sure. Hotel leads two people to the Lord before he gets to his room. He walks up and he goes, man, you've got back trouble. I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying you've got back trouble. Is that right? And the lady's like, yeah. And he goes, I love to pray. God heals her on the spot. She starts crying, sharing a life story. Goes to the room. There's another lady there. And he goes, hey, man, something's going on in your life at the moment. With your daughter, is it? And he just listened to God. Starts moving in there. She comes to the Lord as well. And it's like, man, this guy's built a reputation around the fact that he's like, I'm going to give him everything. My, my reputation is going to be that. And so therefore, he's almost cornered himself into being like that all the time, if that makes sense. You know, it's like, man, my reputation is that I'm just one of those prayers. There's a guy in our church called um, Nathaniel, and he's exactly the same. I said to him, Nathaniel, I'm kind of keen about stepping through that veil thing and doing, you know, sharing Jesus with people around the place. Do you think it's a cool idea? And he goes, yeah, man, you can come out with me. And I was like, awesome. And then... Uh, and he, he rang me up one day and he goes, you ready to go, man? I said, sure, dude. Where are we going? And he goes, we're going to go to a mosque and share Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, yep, yep, yep. And he goes, you're a bit quiet. You don't have to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. Yep, it's good. We're going to do it. Anyway, so I was with him and he, and he had this T-shirt on that says, no Jesus, no peace. Does anyone see that? It's, it's like K-N-O-W, but oh, who cares? Anyway, no Jesus, no peace. And I'm like, wow, here we go. And he walks in there. 
And there's like a, I should finish up in a minute. There's like a uh, guy standing there in all his regalia sort of at the front there. And he walks up and he goes, hey man, we're Christians. We wanted to share that God loves you guys. And as he's talking, Holy Spirit tells him that this guy's got some real pain across his chest from an injury that he did the day before. So he's like, hey man, God's just said to me that you've got an injury across your chest. Was that from weightlifting yesterday? And the guy's like, how do you know? And he's like, because God speaks to me. He said, hey man, God's going to heal you right now. And he puts out his hand and just boom, as soon as he touches it, the guy's like, no, it's good. It's good. And he goes, come here. And we ended up going right up into the prayer room of this place with the guys, just beginning to share Jesus with all of them. And I was like, and, and he walks in and he goes, it's easy, huh? And I'm like, but it is easy. But it didn't seem like that at first. Like I was like, oh, there's always this fear thing I was sort of going through. But you realize when you start to walk in the footsteps of people that have taken their old reputation, thrown it away and said, it's just all Jesus for me. And I'm going to live for him. And that's what they're going to know. Suddenly, all of these opportunities start to unfold and happen as you sort of begin to move through. Guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Who feels stirred up? Just... I expect to hear some testimonies as well.